0: Finished up uh, our elevation challenge today, and I've started getting uh, a lot of people submitting how many, how much elevation gain they've had throughout oh, the fun. month. Yeah, and what somebody literally just sent in their results of sixty thousand feet of elevation gain. Wow! Oh my god, he lives here in California, in San Diego, so it's wow. not like he was going up and doing fourteeners all the time. But it was so it's kind of amazing. To see. Help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. I don't wanna hurt nobody. Well, I don't wanna fight. Welcome everyone to the Trail Life Podcast. I am your host Jeff Stoner. We are joined today by two very special guests, David and Megan Roche, who are former USATF Trail Runners of the Year, have served on the USA Mountain Race Team and currently are two of the most sought after ultra marathon running coaches in the country. Uh, But before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by the Endurance Race Series, owners and operators of the largest race series in both San Diego County and Colorado. They focus on half marathon, 10K, and 5K distances. For more information on their races or to register, go to EnduranceRaceSeries.com. Actually, the last I physically saw both of you guys, it was at the Blackhawk race,
1: I think. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. yeah, that was that's a long 2018, movie. I think, yeah. is when it was, right, give or take. Thank you so Thank much you. for having We're us. We're so
2: excited about this. This is awesome. Yeah, we <laughs> love Baron
1: Trace Ears. We love everything you do. So it's super fun to be on here with you. Oh, also, I love. I'm good. seeing right now
2: on the Zoom screen. It's labeled David and Addie, and our dog is currently here chilling as yeah, well, yeah. and is you pumped can, you might about have this. here. Yep, there she is. There's our yes. dog. And so we can see our hands most, down here. That's
1: why she's probably the most famous of the three, right? She's I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Megan's currently not touching my leg. (laughs) He's
0: touching Addie's head. So what do you, so we were kind of, just before we got started here, we were talking about um, all the events and stuff. What have you guys been doing for quarantine? What do you, what's been going on with you guys and and how's coaching, uh, the coaching business going and all that stuff for
2: you? Yeah, we've mostly been doing a lot of aerobic miles. So we've been using this time to kind of build an aerobic base. Um, I actually had hamstring surgery about a year ago. So for me, it kind of worked out well to not try to get right back into racing right away and and do a slow play and then have just been supporting our athletes. You know, I think a lot of athletes have been struggling during this time period um, in many, many different ways, just a lot going on in the world in general. And so really just trying to be there to support our athletes and give us as much love to the world right now as we can.
1: Yeah. And coaching's doing great. I mean, um, you know, I think we're we're kind of lucky that before all this started, you know, like if you ever, if you looked at our book or anything we've ever written, we're like, oh, we're all the way about like, well, results aren't a big deal. It's all about the process. And this is the ultimate test of that philosophy. Um, and so, you know, it's been super fun to see what our athletes are doing. Like, you know, for every single one, like I can't wait till the races do start again because it's going to be epic, but already people are getting ready to unleash on some really iconic FKTs soon and, um, you know, everything from the pros that are doing that to, uh, maybe the more beginner type athletes that are like going for five K PRs and stuff like that. So um, you know, the chasing the potential part of it unfolds over years, and I think that this is this is a good time to really lay that fr- that groundwork for amazing things to come.
0: Nice. Well. There's a lot of stuff I want to get into um, today, but, I, but for those that are on the call or uh, on the webcast with us now and those that are going to listen later, I kind of want to, um, if anybody doesn't know uh, who you guys are and what you guys have accomplished over your careers, I'd like to just kind of reel those off really fast so people have an understanding of, uh, of you guys. Um, David was a 2014 uh, USA Track and Field Trail Runner of the Year in the sub-ultra distance two-time national champion and a three-time member of the team USA mountain race team. And then Megan was the 2016 uh, USATF trail run of the year in the sub ultra distance, five-time national champion, uh, six-time member of the team USA. And is it, it's just one time North American mountain running champion. Is that, yes, is
1: that
0: right? yeah, Got it. Um, and just as a small little asterisk to, to those accolades uh, both of them are past winners of the Endurance Race Series Mountain Ridge and Blackhawk uh, races
1: in the past. Nice. So Honestly, that should be what we lead with in the future. <laughs> a
0: fun it should be,
1: because you know that's got to be at, at the top of the list as far as what you guys have done, right? Is I think that was where I think the the first one, the Mountain Ridge one, is where I met Nicole Miracle, I believe.
2: I think you're. I think, I think you're then, yeah, yeah.
1: Nicole was racing that one too, and, and or she. I think she was at a vendor. She's like with Hoka or something. No, she was with. um uh, role recovery Roll recovery well whatever it was maybe we had just met a few times but she started uh in swap right around then and if you followed nicole miracle since then like she's oh, become a many-time wow. world champion in ocr and it's just yeah, been crazy. It's crazy so honestly like you're like a matchmaker for our coaching service <laughs> too so
2: <laughs> <laughs> many wins so many fun connections
1: oh that's great well yeah like i
0: said it's it's always great to have you guys come out and, and participate in our races. And I know our runners love to see you guys out there on the trails and stuff too. And, you know, when, when you guys are competing and they, you know, they get kind of that wind of like, Oh, like they did the, they did the race in this time. It's amazing. Cause we don't really, we don't get a lot of elite athletes to come out to our events. We get a lot of newbie trail runners and those that are just getting into the sport, maybe using it as, um, a warm up to an ultra race. So it's kind of nice to, to kind of have, you know, individuals like yourself come out and, and run with us and everything. But
1: we, love um, your, we love your races so much. I mean, um, our athlete, we try to get our athletes to do, to do ERS races all the time. Um, as you know, like you, you've, you've, I've been like a broken record asking you, like, is <laughs> these people get into this race eventually. And you know, for like, is, do you have a 5% discount code or something? <laughs> um, and you know, it's like the best for any level. I mean, we'll have, Pros we coach Incursion Crown and, you know, people that are just looking to do their first trail race. It's just the best balance of, like, well-designed courses, fun atmosphere, and challenging.
2: I was just going to say well-designed courses. I, I know for me as a trail runner, I'm, like, always horrified they're going to be off course somewhere, like, wandering in the middle of the nowhere. And I remember both of those courses being so well-marked. And that's one of those things as a trail runner, it's like, oh, thank gosh.
0: Yeah, we, I don't know, I... It, over the years I've kind of learned a doing races myself or B being in the race director business for so long that that's like one of the worst things that, that can happen to a runner. I think, you know, mm-hmm. is getting lost, especially when you get lost by a mile or two um, you know, and the thing that you can't control is if somebody pulls a sign, you know, that, that individual that pulls a sign and all of a sudden somebody's, you know, gone, you know, mile off course and you, you kind of hear it at the end, but I always try to look at it as if I was a, from a runner perspective, you know, if I'm running down the course, can I see the flower marker? Can I see the sign coming in front of me by, you know, you know, 30 or 40 feet, right? Cause I want to make sure that the turns are always um, visible and everything else. So I, I, that's one of the biggest things that I tell my staff um, when we're all out marking the course is listen, mark the mark the, that intersection, take a step back and look at it as if you're a runner coming down the trail, can you see that, that marking? And if you did, if, if you can, great, then we've done the right thing. If not, then we need to reposition it and go from there. So um, it's really nice for you guys to say that. Cause that's one of the things that we and I take big pride in when I'm, you know, marking the course and setting up the courses out there and stuff. So
1: they're just cool courses too. like the, mm-hmm. the specific routes you take in the parks are really well thought out. And so we admire it for many reasons. I, I can't imagine how hard all that is.
0: Yeah, it, you know, well, you know what's, what the hardest thing is, is um, being that there's so many, especially in Colorado, being that there's so many events in a short period of time, right? The summertime is like just flooded with events. So you get to that point where if you got two or three, maybe three or four events all happening in the same location is trying to find a unique a way to create that course without duplicating everybody else's courses right that's it's a challenge but I, I I love taking that on and kind of making it our own in some degree you know so it's so that's that's always one of the funnest things about doing it. and I think that's what kind of brings up some some of the way those courses are made is you know can we you know can we add in the technical set stuff here midway through can we you know if it's been flat for the next you know first six miles let's how can we add in a you know, some elevation gain right in the middle, right at the end or something, you know, so it's always kind of fun and challenging to figure that that route out, so, but, uh, well, hey, I, I want to, there's, I want to get into some background with you guys, because I, I think some of your background is really cool, and, and David, I, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day that you were on, uh, and I cannot remember the podcast, but it was back in October, and we were talking, you guys were talking about kind of the background, and I know you went to Duke to get your law degree. Yes. But what I what I found out from that conversation is you actually
1: went to school to play football. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was I used to be a big strong guy. At least like
2: his neck was, was like three times the size <laughs> of yeah. yeah. it was pretty impressive. So
1: um, when so I after I graduated high school went to college to play football and in the first year there realized I wasn't cut out for football at that level. Um, and so after, after stopping that, um, had a long road to go to become, to get into endurance sports, um, you know, because at the time I was like a sprinter and like 60 or 70 pounds heavier than I am now. And, you know, running was, I, I distinctly remember how hard it was every step for a bit. And I always try to remember that because, I mean, I'll still have those experiences now. They're just fewer and farther in between. But I think it helps with coaching to remember not to idealize running too much because, you know, that, I mean, it, it's not this beautiful, natural thing all the time, or even most of the time, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a mix of a grind and these effortless moments of transcendence that you're working to, but it's not what defines the process.
0: Right. What... So what made, from football to endurance, like what was the, what was the mental transition for you going into that? Did you know, like when you were playing football, that, that that was something that you kind of had a passion for
1: is looking into the endurance thing, or is it just kind of something you fell into? So my dad was a biker when I was growing up and, you know, I, I, so I started, that you, back in high school, in between protein shakes and bench presses, I would watch like the Tour de France highlights and things. So I always thought that when when football was over, I wanted to be an athlete for life because I love. I mean, I just love the life, the process of it. You know, the day to day. And um, I was like, oh, well, I'll be a cyclist. And so that was my first foray after after football. Is like I was biking a lot, and like I don't I don't know if you can see it here, but my my collarbone on this side <laughs> sticks out like. 18 inches and my wrists and so in other words I was I wasn't the best bike handler gotten a lot of crashes in races and so um, and also got good enough at that sport to realize what it took to actually reach the top level and I wasn't cut out for that um, either so then running became like the next step and um, you know I, I think for me it was just this idea of I want to be an athlete hopefully when I'm if I'm lucky enough when I'm 60 you know or 70 or 80 90 my dad is now almost 70 and is still running, you know, and um, like that wasn't going to ever happen in football. So, you know, I I had no dreams that I would ever play after college. I wasn't delusional. Um, And like, I thought, well, endurance sports are the place to go. And so I I didn't know where it would lead. I mean, I had, I had big dreams, but I was still, you know, it took a long time. I mean, it wasn't until I met Megan at Duke um, four and a half years later that, like I started to see well, running might end up being something that isn't just like a very like fun side thing. It might end up being something that really structures every day, hopefully forever.
0: Wow. And, and now you said Megan, you went to Duke as well. And and you played field hockey for most of for most of your time there, but I understand that you went into got into cross country.
2: Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, how, so how kind of oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the transition. So we actually met at Duke, which was crazy. So David was a law student and I was an undergrad. So I said he was like picking on the undergrad students. Um, <laughs> I think I was like 20 when I met and I went to a law school formal, not able to drink. I was, was
1: 22. I was don't think...
2: But I feel like there's a big difference between being in law school and being in our yeah, yeah. Fair point. Yeah, Fair I, point. Still, I still make fun of him for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I played field hockey. Um, all, all growing up, I played soccer as well. Um, went to Duke to play field hockey and honestly love the sport, love the team element of it, but always knew kind of like David that I had that endurance bug. Um, you know, like for, for field hockey practices, when we got on the line to do wind sprints, I got that like nervous excitement that just reminded me of a race that I have like come to love. And so after field hockey finished up my senior year, I took a fifth year to run cross country and it was, it was so much fun. I learned a lot. And I also learned that I don't love being on the track and running in circles and that my real passion is in the mountains.
0: Uh, so, so neither of you really had any kind of track background, so to speak. You
1: just kind of, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think like,
1: we both had a similar realization that took time. And again, it was really helpful, I think f- in the future for coaching, because we didn't really have preconceived notions of what running was. Right. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, well, this is tra- training is self-evident, you know, what running means, but for Megan, she was a field hockey sprinter and I was a, football sprinter and lifter. So we learned all this stuff anew. And I remember for me, and, and I mean, we had a joke that we, there were a thing called Megan runs, which was <laughs> you go out the door, you kind of go hard until you can't do any more um
2: that's how i trained every day so i actually remember walking onto the track team and the, the track coach asking me like so what type of workouts do you do and i was like you know really what i do is i just go out the door and i run really hard and then eventually i decided to to, to turn around and i run back harder And i was like i do that most days of the week and yes. he just looked at me like what in the world is going on and
1: obviously that's like terrible that's idea. A
2: horrible training yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah but like we both learned that in our own journeys um, to where like that stopped working pretty quickly and you know when we when we wanted to see like well how can we keep getting better you know we had to we learned about I mean Megan's a doctor and she was brilliant and you know we learned about training theory and all the biochemistry and all the all the stuff that goes into you know being able to support the support athletes and like it really helped to try to be like, okay well let's start with a clean slate like you know assuming that we're we we don't have backgrounds of like this is what we did in high school. This is what we did in college. Like you're starting at zero. Where do you go from there? Um, and I think it was really helpful in forming the eventual, like what became the training philosophy of swap, yeah. like in future years.
0: Yeah. Now, how do you guys, was there something that you knew? Cause when people think of running, they don't automatically think of trail running. Right. So that's, you know, unfortunately that's kind of that thing you kind of learn about after you start running a little bit. Did, was there something that, did you guys, did either of you or both of you get into like road running first and, and then transition into trail running? Or you just knew right away that trail running was a little bit more of your, your speed and your direction? Yeah.
1: So like for me, um, the, I mean, so I always knew, I always loved Colorado, like the 14, I had done 14 ers when I was a kid. And, you know, when I, we didn't grow up here, but we would come out, we'd drive out here occasionally. And um, so I always knew about it. But it wasn't until actually I did a trail race, a 10k trail race called the Wissahickon Trail Classic, right near where Megan grew up, yeah. by coincidence, um, before I met her. And I was running the race, and I remember in the old days being like, every race kind of sucked, right? Like every road race I ever did was—it's a yeah, I mean it's a certain nature of what it feels like. And I wasn't at the point of my athletic career where I was fit enough to really like enjoy those experiences. Mm-hmm. But then I did this 10k, and I remember just being like, wow, this is fun. Like I'm actively having fun during an event. And, um, you know, after that, I was like, why would I ever race on roads if if an event can be this fun? And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, even now like we'll train a lot like road runners, you know, and how we train day to day and how our athletes train for the most part. But when it comes to racing and it comes to like big adventures and things like that, like (laughs) there's nothing that beats it.
2: Yeah, and I just, I saw David doing it and I was like, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. We actually, my senior year, so um, like some of my last days as a field hockey player, I wasn't allowed to run or race just because I was playing field hockey and, and, you know, my coach was like, you play field hockey only, you don't run. Um, So we actually did a trail race together and I registered as Megan Butthead so that no one would find me in the (laughs) results. And so there's like a few Megan Butthead results in North Carolina on these trail races.
1: Megan Butthead is fast as (laughs) hell. I I was like, whoa. get her sponsored yeah no kidding huh um so would what would be
0: to this to this point i guess that would be you know the what would you call it
1: david the the wiccan hooper 10k, oh, 10K was, yeah. was that
0: your that was your first trail experience and our first yeah, trail yeah, well
1: race. first first trail race like i knew trails existed i didn't really think about trail racing and mm-hmm. um you know, that race used to be a. am not sure if it's it probably is still around, but used to be a pretty big race that got like 500 people in Pennsylvania. And yeah, like it was just the perfect intro to this world and made like, I don't know, it's one of those moments where I'll always remember at mile two or whatever, um, going on a downhill on trails. And just like, there's something where you're racing and you're on trails. It's just this totally unique experience that you can't really get through other things. It's like the thing I miss most in this, um, you know, quarantine time without races is like that feeling of when you're, you're running over a trail and you don't care necessarily about where your foot's going or anything like that. Like you turn off your brain and you're just running. Um, and I felt that and I was like, I want more of that. That's what I want.
0: Nice. Um, so I, I kind of want to get into, um, cause I, and I, I will be, I'll be the first to admit, you know, it's, I, I, learn new things every single day every single year every single event that we that we do stuff and there's always some things that um it kind of passed me by as far as how things kind of materialize in in the sport of trail running and and one of the things that i I started hearing about uh, a couple years ago um was we had some runners starting to come to to our races and i was you know asking their and they were training for team usa and I'm like, well, I didn't even know there was a mountain team for this. And so I was hoping you guys could – because I know there's a there's a ton of people, and I was asking people in – because it's more prevalent in Colorado. You hear about, about people training for this in Colorado and being on the team, but when you ask people in San Diego about it, there's really no information about it. Like People just don't know anything about it. So I'm kind of hoping you guys could – explain how the mountain team works how you get selected and what kind of events and where they're at um as far as being a a team
1: member for that so yeah i mean all megan will actually in a second she has the story of how we got introduced but to to start just like with the overarching US mountain running team structure and the USATF so it all is under the USATF USA track and field like the governing body mountain right. ultra trail council um, of which like Nancy Hobbs is is the person that really spearheaded it from the beginning and Richard Bolt um, and essentially this this framework is really what let trail running grow in the US like this before ultras became the biggest thing this like nurtured its growth from the ground up um, and I'm learning I you know I learned all this later but and, um, you know, they held national championships at, at most distances um, every year, um, they are the ones that do drug controls and do, 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 do drug testing and um, Every year they have these really prestigious teams where they do a select one selection race to get on the world mountain running team um, and in first introduction was via Megan doing the Leadville Heavy Half Marathon, right?
2: Yeah, and I was, I actually didn't know who Melody Fairchild was at the time. And she's, Melody Fairchild is a really famous runner. She had a, um, she had an amazing high school career, um, college career, and then she's gone on and had a lot of longevity in the sport, both on the roads and the trails. And so I was racing against Melody at Leadville Heavy Half. And she came up to me after the race and was like, you should try for the US Mountain Running Team. And I was like, there's a US Mountain Running Team? This was back in, I think this was back in 2013. Um, 2012, 14, 2014, think. um, and so that's when we headed to Loon Mountain, which was the site of the um U.S. Mountain Running um, Team Trials, essentially. But um, really grateful for Melody for that introduction. I think a lot of runners, like you know, we've we've seen a lot of talented track and road runners come over and try their hand at the mountain running team, and it's fun to have that mix of runners into the group as well. Yeah, and
1: it's just such a great place of like. But when I said nurturing, what I I mean like it's not just the elite athletes. It's like people of all levels, you know, the first choice to do is not a 50 K or a hundred miler. The first choice to do is the 10 K I did or whatever. And because we have this like governing body that supports these races all over and has, you know, a framework that they, that they all distances are, 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 are relevant. Um, it gives entry points for, for everyone. And so, I mean, it, it goes for, Like a couple athletes on our team, like Hayden Hawks and Matt Daniels, both did their debut at the U.S. Mountain Running Championships. That was their first trail race, you know. And now they're doing the Western States 100. Um, But I think everyone benefits so much from the work that the U.S. Mountain um, and you know USATF have done over the years. And um, I think it feeds back into like essentially all the opportunities that athletes have because now, I mean, trail running is is booming everywhere. Like. Um if it was if it was a stock, you would buy everything you have in it right now. Um and so, even
2: during the times of COVID. Oh, even better yeah. time to yeah, buy it. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and
0: then as far as being on the team, because you guys go, like there's races over in Europe and stuff, right? That the team goes to and everything. Like what do those look like in as regards to doing a regular event versus a uh an, an international event?
2: The international events are really fun, honestly. Like, I think to start, it just kind of feels like a vacation because you're flying all the way over to Italy or Zermatt or just like these incredible places with, I mean, many of these places just have cool mountain towns. And I think the the fun thing about like the international, um, some of the like the world championship events too, is, is that you're just meeting really cool people from around the world. Um, you know, these are people from, you know, diverse backgrounds, whether they're racing from Canada or Italy or just like all the different countries. And so it's fun to have that experience both with the other competitors but then also with the team usa competitors too because you're essentially on vacation doing like you know running in an amazing place with these great people on team usa and so i think it's just like it's it's a really fun experience
1: so i think the only problem is that megan has a little bit of a sleep issue when it comes (laughs) to international travel. (laughs) Uh,
2: we have done these trips in the past where i've been in med school so we have we have like three days to get to like you know be over there race come back And I probably don't sleep for any of those. Yeah, there
1: was the last one we did. I don't think you slept a wink. No. The entire it's amazing. Sleep is
2: not one of my life skills. um, (laughs) Especially as it comes to international. But it's
1: yeah, it's so much fun, and I think like it gets back to like all the different types of opportunities. We talk about this all the time. Like when we do an ERS race, we're like, wow, we are so fulfilled from this experience. In the same, it's like the same amount of fulfillment we get from doing a national championship race or whatever. Um, like we are driving home like high on, um, you know, we'll have like a Coke that you have at the finish line or something and just like buzzing. Just like, that was so fun. Let's do that again.
2: Well, I think it's also, I think that gets to the point that it's so much more than just the race. And that's why I love your events too. It's like, you know, you show up and the community. is amazing. You run the race and people are cheering you on or you finish and there's great food. And it's like, it's like, that is just as important as the race itself. And it really adds to the whole experience of the day.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's one thing that I've learned over the years that that, that trail running has versus and road races don't um, is the community, right? Not to say that road racing doesn't have the community because they do, but I feel like trail running is is such. It's a it's smaller, so it's a lot more tight knit. Um, you've got this grassroots, you know, feel to it where you can go in and you you see the same you know, 20 to 30 people that you've seen at other races and you know, them. you can sit there and talk to them and, and have those same same experiences and conversations with those people. And it's, it's really nice that I've always said that, you know, in road races, you don't, runners are almost looked at as a number, right? Cause there's 50,000, 30,000 people that, that will go and run Chicago or New York or even Boston. And when you get the trail running, it's like, everybody kind of knows, where everybody's out on the trail, everybody kind of you know is is familiar with everybody, you know, and it, it's just just such a great community when you know, it's all said and done. And that's why I really love
1: working in the industry that I do. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, I think what we've really tried to dedicate our lives to is that idea of community. Like I think sometimes it's easy to really over act like we're oversimplify that term into um you know everyone loves everyone and things like that. What it actually <laughs> means I think is like that you know, we're, we're all doing this act together and we're not stratifying based on like who's winning or whatever. Like, you know, I don't care about that. I don't want our athletes to care about that. Even our professional athletes, like I want us all like by we're all in it together. I mean, we're all doing this thing. We're all waking up in the morning and, and, you know, putting ourselves out there and getting vulnerable. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, I think that that's really embraced in the trail world. Um, like, yeah, not saying like every, yeah, not saying like everyone's like kissing and hugging and stuff, but more like you're seen, you know, like you see someone and it's like, yeah, like, we're in, <laughs> like, um, rather than like, uh, maybe like, I, I don't know if the stereotype's true, but some of the stereotype of like, you know, you're competing, like I like competition, but I never want to feel like I'm competing with an individual, right? Like I never, that's not something that fuels me. I don't want it to necessarily fuel athletes on the team. Unless they like really have a arch nemesis, you know, I want them to be like pushing themselves, and then at the end celebrating with everyone. Yeah.
0: Well, I I just yeah, I think it's that's really what the trail running community is all about, and it's it's really nice to just continuously see that over and over after every race, and you know whether you're running or going in and spectating, you can just feel the different type of energy um, at at these events and stuff. So, um, I want to get into uh, swap running really quick. And um, kind of get a little bit of your philosophy. There was, there's one thing on on in your philosophy that I that I really stands out to me, and it comes from the recovery, <laughs> as it says on your website, recover with the Taco Tuesday. <laughs> That's Megan. I, I like that because I am I am a taco fanatic here. So what does that mean? Because I doubt it means what I'm thinking it means. So
2: it means exactly what you think it means and it's also Tuesday, so it's very topical for this exact conversation right now, which it is actually Tuesday, right? In the times of covid, I just have to check. It yes. is Tuesday. We are confirmed. It is Tuesday. Yes, I, it is Tuesday. It Tuesday. I think for us, it just kind of gets at the heart of the overall like some work swap. Swap is some work, all play, and the fact that play should really be an element in everything that we do including recovery um including running and that's something that we're constantly trying to reinforce to our athletes is just like you know do those simple things to try to find joy in all of this and honestly and you know be authentic and honest about it with yourself and with others and sometimes you know joy isn't always possible like we all have different mental states we all um have rough days here and there but you know shooting for that and being open and honest with yourself is really what it's about
1: yeah and you know so, tacos, burgers, <laughs>, laughs, tears, all held together in like a corn tortilla shell. So, you know.
2: I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good Taco Tuesday metaphor. Boom, I, I made I it approve. sound more, yeah.
1: more, made it sound like we put more thought into that than
2: we actually did. In the literal thought. Yeah.
0: yeah, <do>. yeah. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'm hungry at the same time now. Dang it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, what, uh, What lessons have you guys learned on the trails that you kind of impart onto your clients? Like what are some of the big, big things that you guys, you know, express onto, onto them?
2: I think we have both had a lot of pretty epic failures on the trails Um, right alongside the successes that we've had with races. We've just had some days out there where things have gone horribly wrong, whether that's because we're like lost and wandering in the middle of the woods where we should be on course in a race or, you know, stomach trouble or calf trouble. It's, I think you know, we've really tried to embrace those failures and own them. And then eventually with the tincture of time, laugh about them. And I think we've tried to just emphasize with athletes that it's really just about shooting a shot and going for it and taking those risks and setting yourself up for failure because you learn about yourself, you laugh about yourself and then you realize there's just, you know, another starting line to get back out to.
1: Yeah. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, just more <laughs> tunnel.
2: Yeah. More, and so, more racing. Yes. And so like
1: with that in mind, like, let's just, you know, turn on a light, like try to celebrate every little thing we can in that tunnel. Because, um, you know, this whole process is what it's all about. Like, um, celebrating every single, you know, every single taco Tuesday, but also like the, the parts of the running life that aren't quite as glamorous, you know, um, I actually have an article coming out tomorrow about like bad days and bad days are ubiquitous. And like the, you know, the point of a running life that makes it so powerful is not getting fast or winning a race or anything like that, like that stuff's meaningless. What actually matters, I think, is being able to step up to the line, whatever that line is in your life, and be like, I can do this. Even if you're not sure, and even if you do fail, you're stepping back into that arena. And um, every single day turns into a little bit of self-belief practice. Um, And if you you flex that self-belief muscle enough, you know, you can apply that to anything in life. There's... your biggest dreams can come true, um, and that's what's so cool about running—is it's testing that self-belief in a, in a low-stakes setting that matters, but it also doesn't. And you know, if you can if you can excel in the day-to-day process, not in the speed, but in the ability to go back out there day after day, you know, you can do anything.
0: Right. And then, how to um, kind of talk about? May you had mentioned earlier because you had the—it was a hamstring or, or a knee injury.
2: Hamstring. Yeah.
0: So from somebody who's, a, you know, a trail runner, whether it's beginner novice experience, um, how do you mentally deal with an injury when it comes to getting back into in training. Um, the process of that, like What's what's your mindset on, on that process.
2: Yeah, I think we have a few different approaches with that. I think the first thing that we really think about is just normalizing it. So I think if you run in this sport long enough, if you push your body hard enough, if you really test your limits, chances are you probably will get injured. And chances are it's probably not your fault. And I think for a lot of athletes, like, just taking the time to accept that and remove the blame from themselves is something that can just start the healing journey and can make things a lot more pleasant as they come back. And then I think the second thing is viewing it as a time to come back stronger. Uh, the great thing about being injured is that it allows you to take that step back and say, hey, like, where do I structurally need to improve in terms of like rebuilding my foundation, getting stronger, you know, fixing weaknesses and how is this going to make me a better athlete in the long term? and then viewing that rest as a time to improve your longevity as a runner. You know, I think if we all steam, you know, if we all go full steam forward, you know, we might limit our longevity in the sport and having the, having the time to step back and, and find new cross training activities or new strength training activities is a great way to keep the joy going. Um, a great way to get stronger.
1: Yeah. And getting back to what we were just talking about, like it's the injury is the ultimate metaphor for everything else. And I think that that's like where this huge power lies because yeah, as a runner, like if you're worried about injury, choose another sport because it's just the nature of pushing your body in this way Um, and testing your limits in anything. But it also, that's the same way any amount of testing your limits works, whether it's like going through relationship difficulties, having, you know, a struggle at work, Um, you know, whatever, whatever your big thing is. Um, And so what I've seen in Megan in this time is, man, she's just turned into superwoman. Like, there's nothing that can stop her. She's willing to take risks that I would never dream of. And it gives me courage to see. And, um, you know, I I think would that have happened without the injury? Who knows? You know, Um, like, would it happen without fully questioning your identity? And, maybe that's the power of it all. It's like an existential crisis built in, um, into your running life.
0: Yeah. Now, how do you, um, kind of in that same, um, thought process is how do you, how do you work with your clients and the rest periods? Like you get, cause there's always going to be those runners that are going to go out and run seven days a week, six days a week. I mean, speak on, on how you talk to, talk to your runners about the rest, um, portion of it as well
2: yeah that's not a popular conversation often at the start but i think the nice thing about swap is that um honestly we've had a lot of success with runners who have taken rest days and i think that's helped other runners see that yeah this is a this is something that can lead to longevity this is something that can increase performance over time and so having that at the backstop is honestly very helpful um but i think it's really just getting athletes to commit to one rest day a week if possible and there's resistance at first, but I find that athletes over time enjoy it. You know, it's a great mental reset. Um, I think athletes realize that many times it does help them become more consistent. And usually it just takes a few Monday rest days, a few, whatever day of the week rest day it is. And athletes often buy in.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I get to the point where I start every athlete with their first day that they're coached as a rest day. Um, including like pros that are going to be doing hundred mile, miles a week, like just to set the tone of this is what matters, right? Is this time, this empty space is when what we're doing actually turns around from self-destruction to building yourself up. Because training without like those modulation processes is self-destruction. And I think a lot of the people that resist rest are often like have underlying mental health things that need to be addressed too. Um, So what we try to do is really set up this place of unconditional support where we're not just talking about running, hopefully. I mean, we're talking about everything so that you know, the rest day fits into this broader life scheme of like, yeah, we want to push, we want to go for it, but we also want to do nothing and chill and have tacos like every day, but especially on Tuesdays. So how
0: do you guys, um, so one of the things that, uh, I talk to runners about all the time or to some coaches about is, um, the strength aspect of it. Um, how with your clients, um, how do you involve, how do you get, the strength portion involved into their training? I mean, is it, how, how often is there certain exercises that you tell them to do? Cause it's always one of those things like, you know, runners, regardless of your road or or trail um, they think that they don't need to work upper body, you know, their upper body strength doesn't need to be there. And it's, it's how much, how much leg exercises can I do? Like on all that stuff. So how do you guys um, factor that into your training uh, with your clients?
2: What we encourage athletes to do is to find a consistent and simple routine that works for them. I see a lot of times athletes get excited about strength training and they come up with these really complicated, you know, hour long, 75 minute training sessions. And it lasts about two weeks before they realize that it's just really hard to work that into their lives in addition to running. And so David actually has some great articles on Toronto Magazine um, called Speed Legs and Mountain Legs. And they're great seven minute, three minute routines for athletes to do. And we find that, athletes are pretty consistent with that, just because they're shorter, they're easier to get done. Um, and then we also, we just frame it in terms of injury prevention, um, you know, performance, being strong on trails matters a lot. Um, it really does make a big difference. And then often for female athletes, strength is great for hormone production too.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we, we have people start with the three minute mountain legs routine, which you can Google, um, and do that two or three times a week. And then for upper body, I mean, I just like people to keep in core, just keep it super simple and do essentially like the goal isn't to get great at that stuff. It's just to not like not it's to be your strongest, be a strong version of yourself, but not worry about it too much. So I'm a big fan of push-ups and chin-ups. Like if you can do chin-ups, they're a great option to to strengthen both your core and you know, get some full body, upper body, like hormone stimulus. Push-ups are also great for the same reasons. Um, you know, you can combine push-ups with like a plank or two. Um, so in other words, keeping it super simple, because like, I want athletes to be consistent with this their entire running lives. Um, and I think like what Megan said, you know, you give me an hour long routine and I'm not even doing that once I'm doing that half of one time (laughs) and I'm done. And I'm a, I I mean, it's what I do. So I can't imagine what someone's doing that like works, you know, or, and has kids and, and does all that too.
0: Yeah. Um, so we got, uh, is it harder? Do you feel it's harder to run uphill or downhill? Oh, uphill.
2: Well, yeah, for sure. I think it sometimes in longer ultras when your quads and your body are shot, the downhill isn't always pleasant just because you're hitting this eccentric muscle contractions. But
1: uphill, man. I like
2: uphill.
1: Oh my god. I, I think I mean, I think one thing important thing I try to talk about to especially is that uphills don't like they kind of they, they don't get easy. You know, you have to recon- reconceive what it means to to do this stuff um it's not like uphills are are bad or terrible it just means that like they're always going to be kind of difficult in their own way Um, and if you can make that difficulty into something that is like a part of the process you embrace like megan is clearly done um based (laughs) on what she's saying like that's that's where you gain superpowers Um, so but yeah i also try to not idealize it because even like you know, we've made the U S mountain team in an uphill year. And I, to this day, like if I see an uphill on a run like today where I'm just running easy, I'm like, Oh my God, it's an uphill. (laughs) How can I go slow enough up this to make it while still moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: I, if I could have my way, I would run downhill nonstop. I, I do not want to go uphill whatsoever. So I'll, I'll choose a course usually that's a little bit more flat or if I can go from up top, just to downhill and, and go flat again, I'm, I'm fine.
1: I don't really need to go uphill. <laughs> I run it. It's like a, I'm like, you give me a, a ski lift and a ski slope. And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Um, the last question I got for you guys tonight, um, we have a lot of, as I said before, we get a lot of beginner trail runners and a lot of those runners that are into it to, to, with the goal of maybe doing longer distances, whether that's a full marathon or even an ultra um going into trail running what is one like quick piece of advice that you would give any new trail runner that jumps in either either a to their first trail race or is going out for their very first trail run
2: yeah so i think for us, we've seen a lot of athletes who get into trail running and are immediately caught by ultras. Um, you're like, I want to do a 50 K I want to do a hundred K. And I would just say that there's a lot, David mentioned this earlier, but there's a lot of fun to be had in the shorter races. Like, you know, sign up for a trail 5 K sign up for a trail 10 K and you can learn a lot about trails in the process, but it's also really fun. And it's a great way to build up to those longer ultras, um, and kind of a nice introduction to the trails.
1: Yeah. I love that. And then it's go as slow as you need to, you know? There's no value judgment made in whether you need to like walk on the uphills or even stop on the uphills, you know? Honestly,
2: studies show that hiking is more efficient on grades greater than 20%, so yeah.
1: When we talk about like there is no judgment in this community, it really isn't. Like as long as you're not judging yourself, um, you give yourself that grace to like actually be able to explore what you're capable of. um, That requires like, you know, being okay with going pretty easy and pretty slow and relaxing um and so that's my main advice for people that are starting out is like you're doing great you're out there you're giving yourself the chance don't worry if you need to hike every uphill or even hike some of the flats and downhills like trail running involves walking walking is trail running like that even though it's called trail running walking is within that route like it's the same thing and so you know if you're not running you're still freaking awesome even if you don't run one step in the entire race my mom will do trail races sometimes where she doesn't run at all and she's a freaking trail runner. And, you know, I think once people embrace that part of their athletic selves, it just, it makes everything else so much easier.
0: Nice. Well, I want to thank you guys again for joining our trail tribe today and, and hopefully we can have you guys back, you know, later on, we can talk a little bit more as far as the training stuff goes, but is there anything uh, you guys want to say before, before we, we kick off and then get out of here?
2: Yeah, just have a lot of fun with it. I mean, I think... Races are a great opportunity, as we said earlier, to take risks, to get out there, and to find a lot of joy in the process. But you know, find fun in the simple things, like showing up to an aid station and giving everyone a high—well, maybe not right now. I was gonna say giving everyone a high five. Let's not do that right yeah. now. But you know, showing up to an aid station and being like a ball of joy, or like you know, really embracing like having a treat or something delicious after after the race. So just like enjoy the entire day, enjoy the entire process of being a truck runner.
1: She's a doctor and a Stanford epidemiologist. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen to her when she gives COVID advice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I would just say if you're, if you're listening to this, like, if you haven't, buy a, um, like, a pack of races for, from ERS or, or whatever, whatever options there are to support ERS right now because, you know, this is a really hard time on people and, you know, races will happen again and getting into that, uh, you know, putting that on your own plate is one good to support ERS, which does amazing work, but two, it's just freaking awesome for yourself to have these things in the future that you're going to do. Um, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen between now and then, but, um, given how much we've loved our, those races, our athletes have loved those races, like, um, that's why we we're on here today. Like, we mainly just want to say, um, thank you to, you know, to you, Jeff and, and to ERS and to anyone that listens. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I, I really appreciate the support and, and everything you guys have done
0: to, you know, get athletes to come to our events and support and, you know, trail running and endurance race series all together. So thank you again for joining uh, today. And I look forward to having more conversations with you guys down the road. Thank Woo-hoo! you. You thank guys you. are this amazing. So fun. Thank all you. Right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Trail Life Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Stoner. And again, I'd like to give a special thanks out to David and Megan Roche for joining us today. Uh, And our episode is once again sponsored by the Endurance Race Series. For more information on any of their events or to register, go to EnduranceRaceSeries.com. Music was provided by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer.